0: We cannot take our eyes off the Lord by giving priority to other things outside of Him, even if they are blessings He has given us. We always need to stay laser-focused on the Lord and seek to do His will, even those things that may seem trivial. We need to always give the Lord first place and love Him above all things. Otherwise, we will go down a path that will take us away from the Lord. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and his truth with the world. Today, we'll be talking about when we lose focus. We always need to keep in mind that everything in this world, especially the devil, is there to take away our focus from the Lord. It is quite common to lose focus on God, and we can never be overconfident and quick to justify our actions. We need to make sure we're always focused on the Lord and on his will for our own good otherwise if we take our eyes off the lord we can and will lose our way to him if we persist in living in a way that is not according to his will by not taking him into consideration today's message is inspired on first kings chapter 7 verses 1 to 11. let us pray lord god heavenly father blessing and honor and glory be to you. Hallowed and glorified be your name. Your kingdom come, Lord God. Your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. Blessed be your name, O Lord. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I give you thanks, O Lord, for your love and for your grace and for your mercy. I give you thanks for your Son, Jesus Christ. I give you thanks for the hope of salvation, O Lord, that we have through him, that through him we could have eternal life. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you please forgive my sins. As King David said, Lord God, my sins are always before me. I need you, O Lord, we need you. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for your guidance. I pray that you help us to understand, O Lord, that we need to stay focused on you, to keep our eyes on you, Lord God, to keep our hearts on you. Help us, O Lord, to look to do your will, to do those things that honor and glorify your name. Heavenly Father, I praise you and I worship you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Today's key passage can be found in First Kings chapter 7, verses 1 to 11. This is the word of the Lord. But Solomon took 13 years to build his own house. So he finished all his house. He also built the house of the forest of Lebanon. Its length was 100 cubits, Its width 50 cubits and its height 30 cubits, with four rows of cedar pillars and cedar beams on the pillars. And it was paneled with cedar above the beams that were on 45 pillars, 15 to a row. There were windows with beveled frames in three rows, and a window was opposite window in three tiers. And all the doorways and doorposts had rectangular frames. A window was opposite window in three tiers. He also made the hall of pillars, its length was 50 cubits, and its width 30 cubits, and in front of them was a portico with pillars, and a canopy was in front of them. Then he made a hall for the throne, the hall of judgment, where he might judge, and it was paneled with cedar from floor to ceiling. And the house where he dwelt had another court inside the hall, of like workmanship. Solomon also made a house like this hall for Pharaoh's daughter whom he had taken as wife. All these were of costly stones cut to size, trimmed with saws inside and out, from the foundation to the eaves, and also on the outside to the great court. The foundation was of costly stones, large stones, some 10 cubits and some eight cubits, and above were costly stones hewn to size and cedar wood. There are many things in life that get damaged and destroyed but hardly any of them get affected instantly, especially the very important ones. Usually it involves time, like a process. Things usually do not get ruined overnight. For instance, marriages do not get eroded from one day to another, unless there were evil intentions to begin with in one of the parties, like ulterior motives. But when two people get married because they love each other, and both start the marriage relationship with good intentions, yet fall apart in the end, it's because something happened along the way. And that something wrong turned into other things. And then after some time of not fixing that something or some things that went wrong, people wind up committing adultery or just fall out of love, as some put it. And there are other examples we could cite in order to form the comparison of what happened to Solomon, of why he drifted away from the Lord and his life fell apart in the end. Because unlike popular opinion, King Solomon did not end his life well with the Lord. He had a brilliant beginning, an okay midpoint, but if you will, he had a disastrous end. And we need to wonder about what happened, especially since people's lives are shown in the Word of God as examples, as written experience to learn from. So we don't go through the folly of others that preceded us. We need to learn from their mistakes. And so, What made Solomon's heart depart from the Lord? If we go by the passage we just read, we see that Solomon became quite preoccupied in building great and expensive things right after he had completed the temple of the Lord. It appears that he became enamored with having things like the ones that were consecrated for the Lord. And so he didn't spend months building for himself, but rather years. We read that it took 13 years to build his house. And on top of that, he built other things for himself for his use and for the other thing that caused his demise, his pagan wives. But before we get into the bad relationships, let's think for a moment about the things he built for himself. Did he really need for his house to be that big, for it to be so opulent? Did he need such a house of the forest? What about the hall of pillars or the hall of judgment? I guess the question we should ask ourselves is how much is enough? Or is it wrong to enjoy the fruits of our labor? One of the things that Solomon did not do, at least it is not written anywhere, was ask God about what else was to be done after the building of the temple. There is one thing that we always need to remember, and that is that we need to take the Lord into consideration in all of our decisions. That is the practical side of loving the Lord with everything we are, with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We need to seek his direction, his will. That is something that didn't seem to happen. And so this business of building incredible things was all his idea. He just started making decisions on his own and not consulting the Lord. He forgot who he belonged to. This is the number one problem with most people, especially with those that supposedly have made a commitment with the Lord and they forget to take the Lord into account. They treat the Lord as a distant second, as someone that is along for the ride, or worse, as someone that is there to fulfill their request, to serve them. There is no concept of treating the Lord as a Lord, as who He is, and even for our sake, as He needs to be treated so that we are benefited in the best way possible. There is nothing good for us outside of the Lord's will. And in case you were wondering, the Lord is not against us having things or good relationships and so on. The Bible says that there is a time for everything. God is not necessarily looking for us to not have anything or relate to no one else. Just because he says that we need to love him with everything we are and above all things does not mean that there is no room for healthy relationships, for enjoying things we're able to have and so on. We can just never lose focus on the fact that he needs to be first, and that we need to seek his guidance. And so we can see that this was Solomon's first problem, not consulting the Lord and not looking to do his will. And his life of excess and overindulgence made life hard for the people around him as well. He imposed extremely heavy duties on his subjects. This is what the word says about that in 2 Chronicles chapter 10, verse 1 to 4. And Rehoboam, Solomon's son, went to Shechem, for all Israel had gone to Shechem to make him king. So it happened when Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, heard it, he was in Egypt, where he had fled from the presence of King Solomon, that Jeroboam returned from Egypt. Then they sent for him and called him. And Jeroboam and all Israel came and spoke to Rehoboam, saying, Your father made our yoke heavy. Now, therefore, lighten the burdensome service of your father and his heavy yoke which he put on us, and we will serve you. So you see, Solomon's impositions had made the people grow weary. And if we read on about what Rehoboam did, he chose to make the people's lives even harder and the kingdom was split. Solomon's ways had started eating away at the kingdom and his son finished off what Solomon had started because of the wrong he had done before the Lord and with his neighbor. There is something else we need to look at here. In Solomon's desire to have great things, he forgot the welfare of the people. He forgot to love his neighbor. We can say that Solomon built great things, but did he really build them literally? Or should we say the people built great things that Solomon imposed on them? Because I'm fairly certain that Solomon wasn't involved with it physically. Solomon had the intelligence to create the design, but the people did the heavy lifting. The people worked or were overworked to produce the things he wanted and they did it for years. And I'm very certain that the people did not live as splendorous as Solomon. And so in Solomon's dismissal of seeking the Lord's direction, he also failed at the second commandment, which is you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If there is something we should keep in mind is this, that we should not demand more of people than what we are willing to demand from or impose on ourselves. This whole business of do as I say and not as I do is clearly against the principle of loving your neighbor as yourself. The word of God has this to say in Luke chapter 12, but if that servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and be drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and that an hour when he is not aware and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers and that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few for everyone to whom much is given from him much will be required and to whom much has been committed of him they will ask the more. And so God had given Solomon great things. God gave Solomon the wisdom he requested to govern the people. God had given him a stable home, an incredible father figure through David, peace from all of his enemies, health, and unprecedented prosperity. The Lord had been extremely gracious to Solomon, and yet Solomon started concentrating more on the blessings that the Lord had given him than on the Lord that had blessed him. And that is something we must all bear in mind. Some of you might think, yeah, you don't have the things that Solomon was given. But we all have different blessings, even those we may not even pray for. And we will be held liable or responsible for them. God gives us all things, incredible things. I'm sure that if we meditated on the things we have and are given all of the time, we would realize the great things we do have. The one great thing we all have is the love of God through Jesus Christ. We all have the opportunity of salvation, something that was given to us not because we deserved it or anything like that. He gives us salvation through Jesus Christ through his mercy and grace. And we will all be held liable for either accepting and living for that gift or not. And of course, we will be held liable or responsible for all of the other things he gives us each and every day. Solomon was given many things and he was held liable for his unfaithfulness to the Lord, for taking his eyes off the God that had given him so much. And we too will be held liable if we don't treat the Lord as he deserves to be treated. If we take our eyes off of him and focus more on lesser things and getting involved with things and people we should not get involved with, which takes us to our next point. As part of Solomon's folly and what ultimately destroyed his life was getting into intimate relationships with the wrong kind of people. Solomon started getting involved with pagan and evil women. As we read in our key passage, he married the daughter of Pharaoh and she was pagan. And Solomon married many other women and had different concubines, all of them pagan and evil. This is what 1 Kings chapter 11 says about this. But King Solomon loved many foreign women, as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, woman of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites, from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, You shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love, and he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not fully follow the Lord as David his father did. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab on the hill that is east of Jerusalem, and for Moloch, the abomination of the people of Ammon. And he did likewise for all his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. So the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned from the Lord God of Israel who had appeared to him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods, but he did not keep what the Lord had commanded. Therefore the Lord said to Solomon, because you have done this and have not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant. It is quite clear what finally wound up destroying Solomon's life. God sees idolatry or spiritual adultery as something quite terrible, and Solomon paid dearly for it. History tells us that even though Solomon had so much wealth and security, and all kinds of things a person could ever want and need, he did not live long. He actually lived 10 years less than his father David, who had experienced a much more troubled and demanding life. Solomon died at the age of 60, so his life was, in the end, cut short. If we read the Lord's spiritual lineage, if you will, as it is written in Luke chapter 3, we see the following. Now Jesus himself began his ministry at about 30 years of age, being as was supposed, the son of Joseph, the son of Heli, the son of Mathet, the son of Levi, the son of Melchi, the son of Janna, the son of Joseph, the son of Madadiah, the son of Amos, the son of Nahum, the son of Esli, the son of Nagai, the son of Math, the son of Mattathiah, the son of Sime, the son of Joseph, the son of Judah, the son of Joannes, the son of Rishah, the son of Zerubbabel the son of Sheael, the son of Neri, the son of Melchi, the son of Adi, the son of Cosm, The son of Elmadam, the son of Ur, the son of Joseph, the son of Eleazar, the son of Joram, the son of Mathet, the son of Levi, the son of Simeon, the son of Judah, the son of Joseph, the son of Jonan, the son of Eliakim, the son of Meleah, the son of Menon, the son of Meratha, the son of Nathan, the son of David, the son of Jesse, the son of Obed, the son of Boaz, the son of Salmon, the son of Nashun, the son of Amidadab, the son of Ram, the son of Hezron, the son of Perez, the son of Judah, the son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, the son of Terah, the son of Naor, the son of Seruk, the son of Reu, the son of Peleg, the son of Eber, the son of Shelah, the son of Canaan, the son of Arphexad, the son of Shem, the son of Noah, the son of Lamech, the son of Methuselah, the son of Enoch, the son of Jared, the son of Malel, the son of Canaan, the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. So as we can see. Solomon was nowhere to be found in the Lord's spiritual lineage. He was involved physically, but in the spiritual one, in the one that really matters, it was as if though Solomon never existed, which is the worst thing that could have happened to him. What does that mean? It is very possible that Solomon did not make it into God's kingdom because of his idolatry and unfaithfulness to God, because he forgot about the God that had given him so much. And because he gave priority to other lesser and more evil things. In his quest to have more and to live for the temporary, he lost his way to the eternal, to God's everlasting kingdom. Did it happen overnight? Absolutely not. But very trivial things started the ball rolling in his life, if you will. He didn't go straight into demon worship right away. He started with something as simple as putting his priority on wealth, and getting into bad intimate relationships. And those things got him to the point of betraying God by following and worshiping the idols and demons of the women he got involved with. The Bible is very clear in that we must be careful with who we get involved with, with the people we form intimacy with. This is what James chapter four says, adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. It is fairly clear, no? Now two things here. One is that the world are the people that do not have the Lord in their lives, those that have not yet given their hearts to the Lord. They can seem like good people, but being a good person does not mean that the Lord is in charge of their lives. And we need to remember that until a person does not completely repent from all of their sins and they don't surrender their lives to the lordship of Jesus Christ, they are still under the dominion of the devil and the power of sin. It's awful, but it is the truth. And so how can we form intimate relationships with those that are still governed by things that are not good? The second thing is that those that find themselves still in this position of being lost can find salvation and grace through the Lord Jesus Christ. You can change your position through the grace of the Lord. You don't have to stay involved with evil, even though you may not see this yet clearly. You are free to choose for Christ and live forever. You don't need to remain an enemy of God. God extends his hand to help you be free from the evil master you have in your life through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now. What should we finally take from what we have seen through Solomon's life? We cannot take our eyes off the Lord by giving priority to other things outside of him, even if they are blessings he has given us. We always need to stay laser-focused on the Lord and seek to do his will, even those things that may seem trivial. We need to always give the Lord first place and love him above all things. Otherwise, we will go down a path that will take us away from the Lord and we will not even realize just how far away we have drifted because we took our attention off him and got involved with other things and people that only prepare us for our destruction and potentially lose our eternal life gained through Jesus Christ. Now, some might say, are you implying that salvation can be lost? And here's what I have to say through the guidance of the Holy Spirit and the scriptures. Our relationship with the Lord is based on love, and in love, There is always free will. God is not going to force anyone to stay faithful to him. He will provide circumstances to help us think about what we're doing wrong. The Bible even says that he disciplines us, which I know that many refuse to accept this concept as well. But God will not force anyone to be with him if they choose for some reason to abandon their faith in him. We just read about that in Solomon's life solomon chose to go away from the lord even though he was the son of david and he decided to follow and worship demons and idols clearly doing things that form part of the anathema of that which is cursed before the lord god almighty solomon ultimately switched sides and we don't see anywhere in scripture indicating that he repented from those things We always need to remember that we need to overcome, through Jesus Christ, the temptation of abandoning our faith because of the pressures of the world, because of the trials and temptations that may come our way precisely to test our faith, because our faith must be tested. For it is written, And when they, speaking of the disciples, had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. And so God is going to test our faith to see if it is genuine and if it can withstand what it needs to so that we can be ready to enter his kingdom for what he has in store for those that love him. We need to overcome the final temptation to receive the crown of life just as it is written, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those that love him. This is a very powerful and revealing verse. The temptation he is talking about here is the temptation to abandon our faith in Christ. And he is also saying that we need to be found approved by the Lord, and that only after being approved by the Lord can we receive the crown of life. And we can only be found approved by the Lord when we love Him. The Word of God always brings us back to the first commandment, especially when it involves our salvation. For it also says, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. There it is again. God has prepared things But for those that love him, speaking of the eternal things, our relationship with the Lord needs to be based on love. This is what he has always said. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And so the basis for our relationship with the Lord, the way we stay on the right path, is by making sure that we are in fact loving the Lord with everything we are by giving him first place, by seeking to do his will above our will. This is the way we can keep our focus on the Lord through the course of our existence here and into eternity. So what finally happened to Solomon? Why did he take his eyes off the Lord and wind up where he did? Simple because he chose to not love the Lord. He chose not to give the Lord first place. He chose to give other things priority and preeminence. And he continued following that path until his life ended. He could have turned, he could have said, what am I doing? While he spent 13 years of his life building his house, he could have reconsidered his ways and reexamined his life to see whether he was doing God's will or not. Now. God can forgive. God can make things new. But a person must turn away from their evil ways. They must repent and convert from their sins with all of their heart. God can only forgive when there is repentance and conversion. Otherwise, He cannot. Why? Because He will not impose His will on a person that does not want to seek after Him, on a person that is choosing not to love Him. This is how forgiveness works according to the word of God. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And so if a person does not want to see the evil they're doing and is unwilling to turn from it, If they don't want to even acknowledge that they're sinning against God, how can God forgive them? He simply cannot. But God is a God of grace and mercy, and about new beginnings. He desires for all men to come to the knowledge of salvation. God loves the world, even though the world chooses to hate Him. But He stands with open arms to receive those that want to turn from their evil ways to those that do want to start over. That is the whole purpose of the cross of Jesus Christ, to give salvation to all those that come to him. The Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross so that we could have eternal life, a beginning with no end. And the Lord says this, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And the Lord also says, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, Put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rebuke the oppressor. Defend the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Come now, and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. God wants to give people second chances. He gives everyone the opportunity to reconsider their ways and to turn to Him. But our part is that we need to repent and convert from our sins. We can't justify things that are wrong according to His standard. And when we make that decision to repent and convert, we must stay true to Him, to follow Him, to grow in love towards Him, to give Him and keep Him in that first place in our lives. We must stay focused on Him no matter what the circumstances are we must always seek to do His will. For this is also written, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. And so the only way we can do His will is by looking to love Him with everything we are and giving Him the priority He deserves. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, I praise you and I worship you, Lord God. I give you thanks because you are so good and merciful. Lord God, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and for his sacrifice on the cross. Heavenly Father, thank you, O Lord, for the salvation, for the eternal life we could have through the Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, please forgive our sins. Please help us to have humble hearts before you. Help us, O Lord, to understand that we need to remain focused on you, that we need to have our eyes set on you, that we need to follow you day by day, taking up our cross, denying ourselves. Heavenly Father, help us to understand that we need to grow to love you above all things. Help us, O Lord, to understand that we need to strive and to overcome in this life through Jesus Christ, through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and through the guidance of your word. Help us, O Lord, to commit ourselves to that so that we can in fact attain the crown of life, to be able to be with you, Lord God, for all eternity. We give you thanks and we praise you, O Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray, amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.